0: My 7 Chakras, Episode 101. Taking the sword against another is war. Taking the sword against oneself is peace. The 7 Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers and could these chocolates help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to my seven chocolates, and now your host Aditya Jai Kumar
1: What's up action takers, AJ here, founder and host of My 7 Chakras, your hub for actionable insights, advice and tips to transform your life. You know, the main reason I do this show three times in a week is you, the action taker, because I know that no matter where you are right now, you are committed to changing your life. Now before each show, I do this small visualization exercise that allows me to connect with each and every one of you. Instead of just talking into this microphone in front of me, I imagine you, whether you are sitting right now, walking to work, standing, waiting in line for coffee or relaxing after a long day's work. I imagine us having a three-way dialogue. You, our featured guest, and me as we discuss stories talk about overcoming challenges and finding your true calling and as they say you are the average of the people you hang out with the most so with every new episode with every new story and with every new action you take you are getting closer and closer to a complete transformation and I know that you can do it and action takers, as you learn new skills, it's really important to have faith, get inspired and believe in yourself. And that's why I've handpicked 27 of the most inspiring quotes that I've heard over the last seven months of my podcasting journey. And today I'm giving that as a gift to you so that you can read the quotes, get inspired and feel powerful. To download your gift, visit my7chakras.com slash seven download. That's my7chakras.com slash seven download. And Action Tribe, I am really excited to bring you our featured guest for today, Donald Ortman. So, Donald, are you ready to inspire? Absolutely,
0: AJ. I'm happy to be here.
1: Awesome. So, Donald Ortman is the author of Clearing Emotional Clutter, and several other books about mindfulness. He is a practicing psychotherapist uh, and a former Buddhist monk, an award-winning writer and an expert on mindful eating. He teaches in the neurobiology program at Portland State University. So Donald, that was a mini intro about you. So before we begin today's show, tell us a little bit more about you.
0: Okay. Well, being in the monastery is one of the most profound experiences of my life, A.J and it really turned my whole life and career in a different direction. I'm very grateful for that and to the monks who were there, and I still hold the monastery in my heart. And my passion is mindfulness. It's helping people get more present and clear away uh, all the different kinds of clutter that could be rattling around in their heads and keeping them from living a fulfilling life. This is really transformative work, and I'm grateful that you're having me on the show today.
1: Wonderful. I am grateful as well that you decided to come on our show. So before we actually dive into today's episode, let's give our listeners a little dose of inspiration so that they can feel charged up and get ready to listen to the awesome stories and tips that you share today. Sound like a plan? Hey, that's great. So what is your favorite inspirational quote? And also tell us how you apply this quote to your life.
0: Okay, and th- this quote is, and I have a lot of inspirational quotes that I love. One is from Inayat Khan, Sufi Inayat Khan, who said, taking the sword against another is war. Taking the sword against oneself is peace. And so I take that as looking within is a form of peace, not trying to force our ideas on others, but really taking the sword to the ego, taking the sword to the I, the me, the my, the mind, and cutting away, cutting through that to see the true nature of self, the expansiveness of mind, and to get clarity and find peace in that way. I also have a short quote I'd like to share from my own book, Clearing Emotional Clutter. And that quote is, removing life's emotional clutter and finding fulfillment and contentment may not be easy, but it is not an illusion. This is perhaps our greatest gift an innate human potential. All of us can do this. And we don't have to go into a cave and meditate. You can do this in your own backyard, so to speak, using the conditions that life has presented to you as your homework. What better time and place to start than now?
1: Mm -hmm. That is so powerful. Thanks a lot for sharing those quotes. Taking a sword against oneself is peace. And action takers, the question that I'd like to ask you today is what are you going to take away or cut away from your life today? What clutter are you going to take away from your life? What decision are you going to make today? And we're going to learn more about how you can actually take those actions, how you can uh, make that change in your life. So let's dive in. In fact, I'm holding your wonderful book in front of me right now, Clearing Emotional Clutter. What inspired you to write this book?
0: Well, like everyone, I mean, I've experienced emotional clutter in my life and I've seen as a psychotherapist, AJ, I've seen a lot of the, the suffering that people have uh, lived with because of this clutter. For example, I'd like to share a story of somebody who came to see me, and she had a lot of emotional clutter from her past, from her childhood. And when she came in to see me, this woman was in her 60s, and yet she kept returning to this one refrain over and over, and that was, my mother, she abused me. She mistreated me. And I I listened to that, of course, and let this woman know that I that I knew this was a very important story to her, and I'd want to hear more about it in time. But even during that initial session. She kept returning over and over to that story until I finally asked her. I said, you know, I noticed you keep telling that story. I'm curious. Have you ever counted the number of times you tell yourself that story in the course of a day? And she leaned forward in her chair, and I'll never forget it. She kind of rested her her head in in her hand and said, wow, it's funny you asked me that. I have tried to count how many times I tell that story, but I always lose track she said Mm -hmm. and then she said but I noticed that when I don't tell that story I'm a lot happier Mm -hmm. so finding and and, I mean experiencing just myself as a human being who uh, has a lot of thoughts and many of those thoughts don't really tell you anything profound about yourself or looking at people like that woman I just told you about who gets stuck in an old story an old rot an old emotional clutter and so I got an inspired to write this book to help people clear that clutter away because physical clutter you can see mm-hmm. it's obvious it's out there and you can see it on your desk you can see it in the garage you can see it in the attic or whatever but mental clutter you can't see it it's invisible to many of us and yet here it is blocking us from living a fulfilling life maybe from finding our deeper purpose from having the relationships we want and so uh, that's really what inspired me to write this book
1: Wonderful. So couple of things here, you mentioned that you experienced emotional clutter in your life. But not only that, you've seen people suffer due to that same clutter in their lives. And this woman kept returning to her childhood experience when she was abused and mistreated over and over again. At one point, she might have forgotten or couldn't keep count of how many times she was telling that story. And I love the fact that A, you were very mindful in terms of listening to what she was saying. And you asked her to introspect. How many times is she actually (laughs) sharing that story? So action takers, it's a good time to really ask yourself, what is that narrative that's going Mm -hmm. on in your mind? What is that story that you are telling to yourself again? And again, now Donald, before we move on, for someone who's new to the concept of mindfulness, what exactly is mindfulness?
0: Well, mindfulness is often described as uh, an open awareness to whatever's happening moment by moment. And the way that I see mindfulness, though, is I actually see it as, and I've been teaching it for many years, traveling around the country and internationally, teaching mental health professionals about mindfulness. And I see it in this new way actually. I want to share this with you just briefly. And there's an acronym that I use in my book to describe the tools of what mindfulness helps you do. And the acronym is PAIR UP, P-A-I-R, and then the word UP, UP. And it means that mindfulness can help us pair up or be a better fit with whatever is happening in our life in the moment, whether it's difficult, whether it's joyful, whatever it is. So the P stands for present moment participation and mindfulness is very much about participating in this moment and savoring this moment experiencing the little moments of life and if you can't participate in the present moment you're probably lost in thought lost in clutter from the past or maybe in the future the a is attuned acceptance and that means attuning with others really connecting uh experiencing others in relationship and accepting uh, the acceptance part here means we can accept even the difficult things that life may have given us everybody gets dealt a different deck of cards in life and it's not always uh, we don't always have control over that but what we do have is we can decide how to respond and acceptance is a very important tool in helping us uh, not resist or, uh, spend a lot of energy fighting some of the conditions in our life. It doesn't mean we wouldn't want to change them necessarily, but we can be in a more in a place of acceptance with what's happening. Uh, intentionality is the I, and that means that we can become more choiceful with all the little things that we decide to do in the course of the day. And if we're more choiceful in our decisions, then we're less likely to harm others or harm ourselves. Reflection. Is our, so reflection is the ability to look inward, as I talked about, you know, cutting away, using the sword to cut away at the ego, but being able to look at our thoughts and be able to look at our emotions, our reactions to things, and to also reflect on what matters most us, to us, to look at our ethics, our values. And those are really important because those ethics and values can are like the steering wheel on a car. and So they can steer us in the direction where we would like to go. The U means understanding suffering. This is very important. If we understand suffering, we can have a sense of compassion for others. And we can start to understand that everybody, if you're in a human body and you have a human mind, that you've experienced different kinds of loss, you're going to experience aging, nobody that is alive, gets a free pass out of that. You can experience grief and other kinds of emotions. So rather than look at this as something horrible, you can say, you know, this is something we all share. It's part of our human birthright in the sense that we, uh, it's the richness of part of what life is about. But we know that even that person, that difficult person in our life has experienced suffering. And that may give us a little bit of more compassionate way of, of perceiving them. Of looking at them. And then, um, and also at ourselves, understanding what causes our own suffering, cravings, desires, different things that might be repeating in our lives. So we can can understand and have some more uh, self compassion. And then the P is purposeful partnership. Mindfulness is not just about noticing what's happening in the mind, what's uh, coming in through the sense doors. It's not just about, you know, paying attention to my thoughts. But it's also about how we co-create this moment and how we can really be present and engaged with one another and support one another. Just as you're doing in your show, AJ, is you're supporting other people uh, to reach their purpose and to fulfill their dreams. And and that's a great example of purposeful partnership.
1: Mm -hmm. So participate, accept, intentionality, reflection, understanding and purposeful partnership Mm -hmm. i love that now donald we've all heard that clearing clutter whether it's at your workplace or at your home is really beneficial it makes you feel so much better you're able to get more done and in a way it strengthens your relationships too but what exactly do you mean by emotional clutter for the benefit of our audience
0: well emotional clutter would be anything that uh, throws you off center makes you uh feel reactive or that makes you lose feel like you're losing control and this could be clutter from the past from a childhood experience like that woman i explained to you it could be when you wake up in the morning and your mind is filled with anxiety or worry about things that you didn't do yet so things yet undone can create a lot of clutter and worry stresses that we face during the during the day the wear and tear the daily grind of getting to work on time of uh you know, being in that traffic jam, all those different kinds of things. That, that's the daily clutter that builds up. And, and it's almost like tartar that builds up on your teeth, right, every day. And you, you need to floss it away. So we need to mentally floss away new clutter. But we need to understand how to untie the knots that clutter can create in our life. And I really think that's kind of a metaphor that when we react negatively to something, we're actually tying maybe an old knot even tighter and we end up carrying along this, this heavy uh, bundle of knots, and so one thing that we can do is start to examine it in the moment and start to untie the knot at least right here, and, um, and that can be huge. So let me give you an example of that, AJ, so sort of your audience. So if you're uh, you're stuck in a traffic jam, you're going to be late for an important meeting, you're going to be late to work. And uh, maybe you start beating yourself up. Maybe you're angry at another driver who cuts you off. But if you are able, so you're, you're tying a knot. That might be an old knot. It might be a knot of impatience that you've had many, many years. Maybe you got it from a parent who was impatient with you, right? And you brought that impatience inside. What you can do in that moment is to observe what you're feeling. Get curious about your anger, for example. The second you get curious, you've your relationship to what's happening in the moment and you're starting to look within. And so you could think, oh, wait, you know, wow, what, what level is my anger on a one to ten scale? You could rate it and you could ask yourself, wow, is this anger appropriate for what's happening here? I mean, here I am ready to yell or scream at somebody. Is that really out of line? Right. You're, you're reflecting inward. And then. Uh, you could even ask yourself, you know, when did this, when did I first start getting angry about things like this? Now, when you're asking yourself that question, you're no longer angry, no longer being reactive. And you're actually exercising a a part of the brain, which we now know is really the mindfulness part of the brain. It's kind of right behind the eyebrow ridge. It's a newer part of the brain. It's a part of the brain that allows us to experience empathy, to, uh, to feel compassion and to, uh, to reflect inward like this. So it's a it's it's amazing that we're beginning to put together research and understand that what the ancients talked about, what the mystics have talked about, now be, are, is being supported by modern uh, brain science. And we're starting to understand that. But the key here is that uh, you can untie that knot just by observing within what you're feeling or naming your emotion. And it's a very simple thing to do, but in that moment, you are changing how your brain is being wired, and it's amazing. It's really a very empowering thing to know that even doing this one time, you're now reacting a little differently to that anger. And maybe then you could take a nice breath, and I maybe we'll get a chance to talk about the breath a little bit later, and I'm sure that's a key part of different uh, meditation practices that other people have uh, shared on your program. But even taking a nice breath is a wonderful way to – create some space from that reactivity.
1: Mm-hmm. So I love the traffic jam analogy, something that everyone can relate to, especially in the morning when you're <laughs> on your way to work. Oh yeah. Those trigger moments of impatience. Uh, and, and in such a moment, uh, what can you do, right? You can either react or you can get curious about the moment. Mm-hmm. Analyze the moment. How angry are you? Is it reasonable? Is that level reasonable? Yeah. And then go back, when was the last time that you were this angry at this level, gradually, as you mentioned, untying that knot that must have gotten into you years back. So thanks a lot for this wonderful and really simple way to uh, introspect and find out what challenges we have. But let's go a few steps back now. How did you first get into the world of mindfulness? Let's hear that story.
0: Well, my path into the world of mindfulness came from mindlessness. Mm. I have been a mindless eater. And I had a history where I, uh, uh, I never met a box of cookies that I didn't like. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, and I really started to wonder if it was even possible for me to moderate my food intake. And I had the opportunity to, actually a friend of mine said, there's a, there's a monk I would like you to meet. And I went and I met this monk. His name was Uthi Nandai. Mm-hmm. He was a very well-known teaching monk from Burma. And he had this wonderful sense of availability and compassion about him. And I thought to myself, I, would, I want to know how does somebody get to be like that? And I found out I could ordain with him in the monastery. It was during a period of my life where I was uh, facing some difficulties. And so I wanted to explore my spiritual path more deeply. But I also wondered whether or not I'd be able to eat the way the monks ate because they they'd wake up about 3 or 3.30 in the morning. And you'd be chanting and meditating, and at about six thirty in that particular tradition, from six thirty to seven, you'd have a breakfast. Then from eleven to twelve, you'd have lunch, but you actually took a vow not to eat after twelve noon. Mm-hmm. And that, and you know, that was something I really, I didn't know if it'd be possible for me, and I had some real serious doubts about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I uh, the first day in the monastery, after I went through a beautiful. 2,500-year-old initiation ceremony, and they brought myself and two other new monks back to a room, and I sat on this one futon. And, and it kind of hit me, you know, oh, my goodness, have I made the right decision here? How am I going to get through this? I looked to my left, and there was a little shelving unit right next to my futon, and on that shelving unit was a giant Cadbury's chocolate bar. <laughs> and, and I wanted that chocolate bar in that moment. and that In, the, in my history, that's what I had done, to uh, comfort myself, especially during times of doubt or or worry or anxiety. Uh, Food was a great distraction. But here I had taken a vow, not to eat after 12 noon. So uh, it's like my mind went into war. Mm -hmm. One side of myself wanted the chocolate bar, was hungry, emotionally needy, and the other side said, no, you know, you took this vow, not to eat after 12 noon. You can't do that. So I had to sit there with my thoughts. And um, I think it was after an hour or so. It was very excruciating having this uh, war go on that there was a, a huge shift, and suddenly, I was, it was like I was jolted, A.J., and suddenly, instead of being grabbed by those thoughts, uh, it's as if I suddenly was in a movie theater, and the lights went on, and I saw that I was just watching those thoughts on a projector, I mean, on a screen, and I had a sense of relief that I was no, my experience of not, being those thoughts, not being defined by them, but rather having some space from them and realizing that I could honor the part of me that was mostly hungry and also honor the vows that I took, that these were not in a war, they were not mutually exclusive, but it's as if my container got larger. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about mindfulness is it teaches us how to expand our container, our awareness, and that we can hold all the different parts of life that appear to be in duality opposed to one another, but actually, you know, they're all connected. So uh, you could sit and be present with that. And that's a wonderful mindfulness practice too. Is not trying to fight uh, or resist, you know, the conditions of our life, but to be able to sit with it and allow there to be a process of, of moving through it and noticing that it's, it's, it's temporary and it will pass. So that's a wonderful uh, it's very liberating to be able to sit in that way with anything that might be distressing for us.
1: Beautiful. Now, in your book, you talk about daily decluttering. You share a number of effective practices for preventing the buildup of that emotional muck that might mm. affect our life. So do you have a simple and effective practice that people can use to declutter daily? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Here, let me uh, put this under the category of uh, fidelity to the moment. Mm hmm. Okay, and this is something you can do in any moment. And so it's kind of the idea of being faithful to this moment. So faithfulness to whatever you're doing. The idea of maybe unitasking instead of multitask multitasking. So if you're sitting right now, I want your audience to notice if you're sitting to be 100% devoted to the experience of sitting. I want you to feel your body in the chair. Where is it making contact with the chair? Where is there more pressure? Where is there less pressure? I want you to notice your feet on the floor and imagine that you're very rooted to the ground like your favorite tree or plant. Trees are the largest living organisms on the planet. They're they're like our natural uh, cathedral, living cathedral that we have. So just get very rooted and grounded. I want you to come into awareness of your posture. okay? And And I suggest that uh, take a nice, relaxed posture. Imagine you were having, for example, having tea with the Queen of England. How would you sit? And so you have maybe a graceful, dignified, but relaxed posture. And if the imagery of having tea with the queen is too anxiety-provoking for anybody, you can just uh, let that go. And just sit. Natural sitting. Natural body. Your body knows how to do this. And it just allow yourself to be present with that. Natural breathing is another one. You know, in the course of a day, I don't, a lot of people don't realize that you take about eighteen to 20,000 breaths in the course of a day. And, wow. Yeah, and no two of those are alike. True. So they're like snowflakes, right? They're just here for a moment, and each one is unique. So I want you to notice that you're taking this breath. How is this in-breath maybe a little different from the one you took before? Again, just get curious about the breath. And if something grabs you, uh, look at that. Allow yourself to look at it and examine it and explore it. You're not trying to change anything. You're just noticing the breath as it is natural breathing. It's perfect just as it is. Isn't that nice? And the in-breath. So you notice that. What about the pause between the breaths? Every one of those is a little unique. And then you can take the out-breath, a nice, long, slow out-breath. So soothing, calming, and just being present. I think that our, our breathing is our most intimate kiss we can have with this moment. So why not get close to the moment? You know, often uh, AJ, I'll ask people I'll say, "Well, this—the breath you just took here—was that experience that you you felt was that yesterday? Was that tomorrow?" So uh, it's very much the present moment. And each breath is a gift.
1: Wonderful. So thanks a lot for sharing those amazing tips and tools. Now you've written several books on mindful living and mindful eating. So based on your experience, is there a health tip that you can suggest for our action tribe to boost overall health and wellness? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, yeah, let me give you. I mean, I've done a lot of work in the mindful eating field, and I uh, my book "Art of the Inner Meal" is actually one of the pioneering books in the mindful eating area. Uh, mm-hmm. And I spent several years with the Center for Mindful Eating, which is an international organization. I was on the board and the vice president of that. So I'd like to share um, a very wonderful four-bite mindfulness technique. It's so easy, and you can use it for the four first four bites of any meal. You can use it uh, the first four bites of a snack. And and it's a wonderful way to just find peace with food. And a lot of people, and I know that again personally, how difficult that can be for a lot of people. So for the first bite, of course, you'll get centered. I want you to have your food in front of you. And for the first bite, make that first bite about selection. By the way, this is an acronym called STOP. It doesn't mean stop eating. It means mm-hmm. stop for greater awareness with the next four bites. So the first bite is just about selection. Psychologists have said we make over 200 choices a day related to food. That's a lot, isn't it? But for the first bite, I want you to think about how big or small a bite I want to take. Where do I want to chew that bite in my mouth? How fast or slow do I want to chew? And if you chew more slowly, even that one tip alone will be beneficial. Because there are there's uh, uh, enzymes in the mouth in our, in our saliva, it actually helps us digest food. So if you can chew a little more slowly, that can be beneficial. And then consciously decide when you want to swallow. That's another selection you can take. The second bite is about taste. So when you take that second bite of the food, just notice. Everybody has a flavor map on the tongue. We have 10,000 taste buds on the tongue. We even have taste buds on the roof of the mouth. So I want you to notice as you take that second bite, where do you most intensely taste that, that flavor? And can you even taste it on the roof of the mouth? It's wonderful to just really savor food in this way. And then when you swallow it, see if you can follow it all the way down the esophagus into the stomach and notice how long does that flavor remain? You know, often we just keep putting another Bite in our mouth, one after another, right? But if you really take your time, you'll notice the flavor remains a long time. So the second bite is taste. The third bite, O, oh, means just observe. Observe everything. Observe your hunger. Observe how your arm moves. It brings the food up to your mouth. Observe how your jaw opens up. Listen to the sounds as the food turns from solid to liquid. Just observe as much as you can. And the P, after taking that third bite, take a pause. Take a breath put down the fork, the utensil, and just be present. And those four very easy steps can help anybody start to eat in a new way, in a more beneficial and peaceful way.
1: Wonderful. So thanks a lot for that powerful yet actionable step. We're going to have that in the show notes. And Action Tribe, to access the show notes for this episode, visit my7chakras.com slash 101. That's my 7 slash 101. It's not that I'm so smart. It's just that I stay with problems longer. That's a powerful quote by Albert Einstein. Action <laughs> takers, sometimes <laughs> talent is overrated. Talent is potential. But to convert that potential into results, you need to have the determination, the hunger, the drive and conviction to solve a problem, to solve a challenge or to overcome an obstacle. I know it's not easy, and especially when you first encounter it, it might feel impossible. But as Mr. Einstein said, if you stick with the problem long enough, you will, without a shadow of doubt, triumph over your problem. So, Donald, take us back to a time when you faced a major challenge. How did you approach that particular challenge, and then how did you overcome it?
0: That's a great question. You know, in the Clearing Emotional Clutter book, I talk about one of the difficult times in my life when I was going through a divorce, and I um, didn't have a solution to what was happening. And my rational mind was really uh, almost like a, like a hamster running on a, on a little wheel over and over, right? But I did know from my past experience that sitting in nature uh, was always helpful to me. Uh, It was in the middle of the winter, and I went out on a very frigid night. I sat, and I just sat out there. It was a clear sky. The stars were out. And I surrendered uh, my worries and my rational mind and all of it up to something greater, something bigger. Uh, George Washington Carver said something very beautiful. He was the guy who discovered the uh, over 300 uses for the peanut. I think of him as the Thomas Edison of the peanut. Mm -hmm. And somebody said, you must be a wonderful, uh, you know, a great scientist. You have all these discoveries. And he said, well, I said, I don't know about that. He said, I go out at four in the morning and I sit in silence with the plants. And he said, I've learned that if you sit with anything long enough in silence and give it your love, it will share with you all its secrets. Isn't that beautiful?
1: That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so
0: that's what I did. I, I sat out there and I just surrendered it all up and. I don't know how long I was out there, but there was a, an overwhelming feeling that came to me. And I think my what had happened is the, the sense of uh, the personality of Donald, who was going through this trial and tribulation, had somehow just vacated. And and I was left with this spaciousness and this overwhelming feeling uh, that I later put to words, AJ. And, and I put it to words as, it's all the blessing. But it was a tremendous sense of relief and a knowing that it was going to be okay. And it was nature that helped me understand that. And and I call it the soul lucian, not the solution, but the soul, S-O-U-L, the soul lucian, And that nature has that ability to teach us, if we're willing, to sit with it in silence and listen to it. And I I talk about nature in this book and even how to do a five-second nature meditation. Uh, it doesn't matter how long you start with that. Uh, you can just sit for five seconds and look at a plant. You can look at a bird and just, uh, go into a state of wonder, a state of awe with the littlest blade of grass. I've, I've led retreats where I've had people get in nature and, uh, I have some techniques, uh, in clearing emotional clutter mm-hmm. for helping people sit with nature. Uh, this particular time, I remember somebody came back after we, they had gone out into nature for about 30 minutes and and, and told us that they had uh, the most amazing experience just watching a worm for 30 minutes crawling through, the, not knowing which direction it was going to turn in. <laughs> and And they got so mesmerized and connected to nature. And I don't think there's any way to replace that. Uh, We grow out of the earth. We're born from this planet. And so uh, it's in us. And anytime that we can make that nature connection, it's going to be beneficial. There's a, there's a whole science actually called attention restoration theory uh, behind how nature restores depleted mental energy. I even talk about some of that in the book, but uh, so we, we are learning that nature can help us heal faster, can reduce aggression, can help us in so many ways and also uh, give us insights into finding solutions for our problems.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thanks a lot for sharing your story with us. And looking back now in just one sentence, what is that one major life lesson that you'd like to share with our listeners?
0: I would say one major life lesson is that no matter how much trauma you've had, there's hope. There's always hope. And that I've learned that looking at the little things can be huge. Uh, I remember a man who, what I had him do was to notice things that were pleasant to him. He had severe depression. And I said, I want you to notice every, I want you to notice any sight, sound, color, shape, object, texture that you find calm or soothing to you, right? And he looked around my office and he did that. And I said, okay, now when you walk outside, I want you to find another one. And every time you step over a threshold, open a door, go into a new space, I want you to, again, look for that one thing. And he came back and I'll never forget it. He came back to me and he said, I mean, it sounds like such a simple little practice, right? Yeah. But he came back to me because he'd had all this clutter of depression and rumination in his head. He came back to me and he said, I walked outside and I heard a bird chirping that reminded me of springtime and it gave me hope. Mm -hmm. So here is the smallest little thing that tends to be very profound for him. But if he hadn't paid attention to what was happening in the present moment, he'd never heard that chirping bird and he'd have been lost in those thoughts. True, true, true.
1: You you mentioned that your rational mind at one point did not have a solution to what was happening, but you knew that nature is always therapeutic. So you went out in nature, you let go, and you surrendered to the power and the forces of nature. And that's when you had that feeling that you initially couldn't explain. And you felt like mm-hmm. uh, a weight was lifted up from you. And that's when you got your soul Thanks a lot for sharing. And Action takers, as you move closer and closer to your goals in life, you will come across many folk roads and you will have many decisions to make. At that point, remember where your focus lies. Are you fighting the uphill battle against misfortune or negativity or are you focusing on the blessings and the magic that lies deep within you? Focus determines outcome. And that's why action takers, Alan Cohen, quite correctly said, the purpose of life is not to fight against evil and misfortune. It is to unveil magnificence. What magnificence are you going to unveil today, action takers? And Donald, have you found your life's calling? And if yes, what is your life's calling?
0: Well, definitely. My life's calling is through my work to help people find clarity and calm and peace and to uh, help them lift themselves up and transform consciousness. I think that is one of the, you know, helping people awaken. And I continue to try to do this work myself. I'm not uh, uh, perfect at this like anybody, right? It's a Mm -hmm. constant practice of, of applying the effort, but I know it's possible. And I've seen changes in my own life. I've seen changes in the people I work with. Mm -hmm. And to me, there's nothing more fulfilling than that. So I'm, I feel very blessed that I, uh, have been given the opportunity to write books like this and to help people and I very I very much like to give people tools I'm a big believer in and I love what you're saying mm-hmm. in calling it an action taker that, that we need to take action yeah right it's it, think about it is not uh, it takes us part of the way there but it's the action part so important and and the focus and what do we focus on and I want people to focus on their strengths yeah, and I talk about that in Clearing Emotional Clutter too. How important it is to notice our strengths, to what to find what supports us, not what deflates us. True. I mean, there's enough of that in the world, isn't there? So it's very important to not devalue who we are.
1: Yeah, yeah. In fact, I just want to relate one story that happened this afternoon. I do a full time job as well. And I was just having lunch uh, with a coworker, And uh, he just struck this conversation saying that AJ, you're the host of this show, but you're having burger and fries. (laughs) Uh, you know and you know i told him uh, to be honest (laughs) with you i don't position myself as being perfect or an expert in fact i'm here to learn as well and with every episode i learn something new about my health my mind my nutrition and i told him that when you have burger and fries sometimes you just can't resist having burger (laughs) and fries and sometimes you gotta have those cheat days where you just have burger and fries but then go back into your purpose uh, about helping others but also helping yourself with the right mindset with the right approach and the right nutrition so just as you mentioned we're all in this journey going to the same direction but from different places and always learning something new along the way so donald looking back now was there ever a particular eureka moment beyond which you were pretty confident that things were about to change take us to that very moment
0: Mm. A moment that i was sure things are going to change. Um, well, I'll tell you one thing. I know things are always going to change. <laughs> and that <laughs> that awareness, I think, is the overriding uh, awareness for me is that, uh, you know, we never stand in the same river of moods or thoughts very long. And I, you know, it's interesting. I think it's been an incremental awareness, awakening to noticing the mind and being quicker to... Yeah. Uh, not fall into some of the traps of getting pulled along by the by thoughts and uh, it, but it, you know the mind still gets reactive. It's pretty amazing. Uh, my luggage got lost about uh, about a month ago when I was traveling doing some workshops and when my luggage didn't come off the carousel, well, I had some very uh, <laughs> reactive thoughts in that moment. Mm. But I was able to just take a breath and say, "Okay, uh, you know uh, we'll, we'll make it work." I'll find a way and just went into trying to see what I could do to, you know, move forward. And, you know, it's interesting. There was a guy, his luggage was lost too. And I was talking to the agent and he came up and he started yelling. He was yelling at me. He says, I was in line first, but he wasn't there. He'd come back. He'd left and come back. And, and I said, you know, I said, look, we're all, uh, we're all upset. I I feel badly that for you, that your luggage got lost. And, uh, it changed his whole demeanor (laughs) in that moment. Mm -hmm. And, and he, uh, you know, he even apologized and, he, he, you know, the recognition that we're all experiencing uh, different forms of upset. Uh, but it's, it's, you know what, in a way it's, it's, it gives us something to work on, doesn't it? Everybody. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. Everybody has a difficult person in their life and yeah, that just gives us more to reason to find compassion. That gives us more reason to watch what buttons are being pushed in our lives. And uh, it is, gives us the work we need to do to grow and transform.
1: Absolutely. I think if you look at life like a scientist, then everything becomes an experiment and you're always Mm -hmm. tweaking, always trying new things out, seeing what works and what doesn't work and then making that shift because as you mentioned, change is the only constant. And with that, this brings us to the final round of today's show, which is a rapid fire round called the wisdom round. Are you ready? I'm ready.
0: Okay. I didn't know about this, but
1: I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) What is the best advice that you have ever received in just one sentence?
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Mindfulness is free. You are born with it.
1: Wonderful. So name a personal habit that contributes to your Mm. well-being.
0: Guarding my sleep, making sure that I get enough sleep. Very important.
1: Awesome. So Donald, what is your Morning ritual, like what do you do during the first two hours of your day?
0: Well, I will uh, get up, and uh, I, I find that it's very soothing and calming for me to have a cup of coffee. So I have a maybe I have a coffee meditation, but I sit and I uh, take care of my uh, animals, and I uh, greet the people who are in my life with love, and um, and I get proper nutrition for myself. Uh, it's also important. I and I, I get always get protein in the morning because our the brain actually requires our protein to help it work. And I and I always am looking for something to be grateful for. I'm trying to be when I wake up I notice the body, I uh, try to move with awareness, and uh, I always love looking outside at nature in the morning.
1: Wonderful. So what is the most powerful book that you've ever read?
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, wow, there's been several powerful books. One of the books I, I loved was uh, it's called, by Herman Hesse called "The Glass Feed Game," or Magister Ludi. I mean, it just came to mind. Um, I mean, I have many, many books that I love to read, but that book was really about reading really a, a book about growth and about relationship and transformation. It was just a very uh, wonderful book.
1: For the benefit of our audience, could you repeat the name of the book once again?
0: Yeah, it was. uh, It's called the Glass Speed Game. Got it. Yeah. Okay. We'll
1: have that in the show notes as well. An action tribe to access today's show notes, visit my one zero one. That's my sevenchakras.com/slash one zero one. So, Donald, it's been great today. For someone sitting at home right now, loved the stories, loved the actions, loved the tips. For someone at home, or you know, at a place that they can relax, for them to get closer to that state of mindfulness and meditation, is there a guided meditation that you could share with us?
0: Oh, absolutely! I know I'd love to. This is a uh, awesome. I'd like to do a self-acceptance meditation, actually, mm-hmm. if I may. So, uh, this meditation, AJ, is about uh, how to deal with the difficult. Uh, maybe the sharp edges of life, things that are, 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 that we're having a hard time accepting. Okay. So the first part of the practice, before I guide you through it, is to identify one thing that you find difficult to accept either about yourself or your life. Okay. Um, and this could be some kind of an inner or external grievance or experience that you're rejecting. And I want you to actually think about what that is. And if you want, you could make a mental note of it or you could write it down. A few examples are, uh, for example, maybe you can't accept that you're getting older. Maybe you don't feel attractive. Maybe you think I'm not lovable or fear being alone. Maybe you worry about your relationship, that your partner is maybe distant from you. Um, Maybe you hate that uh, you didn't get the promotion or your career isn't moving forward like you wanted to. Or maybe there's an old hurt, an old trauma. I was harmed by such and such a person, and I will never forgive it or accept it. So take a couple of moments here if you'd identify what you cannot accept in your life. And there's no right or wrong to this. We all have uh, difficulties or challenges that maybe we're not ready to accept. And of course, what this meditation will help us do is to help Find a place of peace with whatever that experience is that we're rejecting. Okay, now that you've identified what you might be not accepting, I want you to know that when we go through this, that you can stop any you want if you find this too distressing for you. You might decide to do it another time, and that's okay. You are in control. And so always take care of yourself, okay, as we do this meditation. So you're finding a nice place, quiet place to sit. And I want to chime the bell here as we begin this resting in self-acceptance meditation. I want you to take a breath. And this first breath, I want you to exhale and let go of all the worries from the past, things that maybe you've held on to for today. Let that go. Let's take a second nice calming breath and exhaling out, letting go of all the worries about tomorrow, things yet undone, so that you can come more into this present moment. I want you to slow your breath down a little bit. I want you to picture yourself resting in a place of supreme beauty and wonder, a place that is, uh, has a spaciousness, a peacefulness, a sublime, beautiful place. There's nothing here in this place that can harm you. You are totally safe and protected here. Now this can be a real place that you love and where you feel safe and secure or it can be an imaginary place that you picture in your mind's eye. But Whatever it is, know that you are safe and secure in this beautiful, sublime space. Now I want you to think about people who have helped you in your life. Uh, you could think of these people as benefactors. These are people who hold a deep, deep wish for your well-being, your health, and your safety. Imagine that these individuals are near you, and it feels good whenever you're around them. That's how you know they're your benefactors. Uh, This could be family members. It could be friends, a neighbor from your past. Maybe it was a teacher who... Helped you when you were in grade school or high school, but someone who, when you were around them, you felt good and you felt safe. Now you can even think about a spiritual individual you admire, who also holds this wish for your well-being. It could be a Gandhi, a Martin a Luther King, a Jesus, a Buddha. If any of them knew that you were in distress, they would come to your side and they would be there for you and they would send you the warm wishes for your well-being and safety. So now that you have these people, you can have as many of these people surrounding you as you wish, you could even have many, many of your uh, ancestors who if they knew you were here, they would send their well-being and wishes to you. So let all of that in. I want you to picture all those benefactors surrounding you and sending you the deepest wish for your well-being because they care about you. And imagine this is a feeling of warmth. Accept their blessings and deep wish for your well-being as a warmth that seeps down all the way into all of your cells from your heart center. It radiates out to all your extremities, and with each in-breath, just breathe in the wishes for your well-being. And it's filling you up with the warm glow of safety, the warm glow of being loved and cared for. and Let this feeling spread throughout your entire being. Isn't it beautiful to know that we are cared for in this way? Now, I want you to imagine that this glow of warmth, the love, and blessings can start to expand around you almost like a bubble. Imagine it maybe as a golden bubble. And the bubble's golden glow is warm and inviting. This is your bubble of self acceptance, of wisdom, self love, self compassion, and understanding. And it can safely encompass anything, no matter how difficult or unwanted. So I want you to imagine this bubble of self-acceptance growing and expanding around you as you're still receiving the blessings of love and the deep wish for your health, well-being, and safety from all of those persons, all of those benefactors are still coming into you as your bubble of self-acceptance expands and grows. Even your thoughts now, your past, your emotions, be they, positive or negative, are surrounded by the bubble, letting you just be with all of them. So feel a sense of expansion and peace as the bubble grows and watch as this bubble of self-acceptance takes in more and more. And once anything is inside this bubble of self-acceptance, you no longer have to react to it, but you can freely notice whatever it is, with a sense of kindness, greater understanding, and compassion. Even those negative thoughts, when they're in the bubble, become something that you can accept and maybe even get curious and appreciate. So let's let the bubble expand even further and further out. And now I want you to let it go out until it's far in the distance is that difficult thing that we talked about earlier, that you could not accept. Let the bubble expand out until it just begins to touch and contact that difficult thing. Allow the bubble to soften so it can allow this difficult thing inside the bubble. Uh, the bubble, imagine it's accepting in the same way that a loving parent, a best friend, or a compassionate mentor, or a spiritual teacher accepts you For who you are, accepts all of you. Let yourself come to peace and rest with all that is inside the bubble now. Now, even this difficult thing is inside the bubble. Now, let the bubble expand and grow even beyond the horizon of this beautiful and serene place of peace where you are at rest. Finally, everything is inside the bubble. There's no outside, no inside, no pushing, no pulling, no good or bad you. There's no winning or losing inside the bubble. This is an all-inclusive, all, all inclusive, self-accepting, loving place, the loving bubble of self-acceptance. Continue to breathe slowly for as long as you would like right now. And if you want, set the... Intention to accept your difficult situation as a starting point, not an end point. Let your own wisdom guide you as to how to move forward with this difficult situation or whatever it may be. And when you're ready to finally conclude this visualization, uh, give thanks to your bubble of self-acceptance, a part of you, that you can return to any time and rest in this wonderful spaciousness and warmth and the blessing of well-being that is sent to you from those who care. Let's just sit a little longer in silence.
1: Well, thanks a lot for guiding us through this beautiful experience.
0: Oh, you're very, you're very welcome.
1: It was magical, and I'm sure our listeners would really love it And come back to this meditation whenever they want to. Because this download is always going to be available online. Before you go, tell us one thing that you are really grateful for today. And tell us also the best way we can find you.
0: Well, I'm very grateful today for uh, you giving me the opportunity to share that meditation. Uh, I think it's so important that we all rest in self-acceptance and uh, the difficult, hard places of our lives so that we soften to those. And uh, you can find out more about me and my work at my website, mindfulpractices.com, A-J, and it's M-I-N-D-F-U-L practices.com. And I invite people to sign up for my newsletter. It's the Mindful Living newsletter and it's on my homepage. And if you sign up for that, you will get a uh, a monthly new meditation or mindfulness practice reflection to work with, along with uh, some information about my upcoming events. So I really invite everybody to come join and uh, subscribe to that newsletter.
1: So there you go, Action Tribe. Change is the only constant. And because of that, you can change. You have the power to make that change, no matter where you are in life right now, no matter what life state you're going through, you can definitely make a shift. And you have an opportunity today to do that by going to mindfulpractices.com. M-I-N-D-F-U-L-P-R-A-C-T-I-C-E-S.com. We'll have the link in the show notes as well, you have listened to this episode so far. And that confirms that you're really interested in learning more about meditation and mindfulness. And by going to the website, you can really learn more. And Action Tribe, before we end today's episode, also don't forget to download your gift for listening to today's episode 27 of the most inspiring quotes that i've heard on air so far a document that will be delivered straight to your inbox to download your gift visit my7chakras.com slash 27 download that's my 7 slash 27 download this link is also going to be there in the show notes so donald thank you so much for coming on our show talking to us about the power of mindfulness and taking us one step closer to a human revolution oh
0: thank you aj i appreciate it and that revolution is possible each moment. You are listening to My Seven Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.